welcome to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. Every week, she's bringing inspiring guests to help you embrace motherhood the cool mom way. Emily knows firsthand being a mom is hard AF, but she's passionate that doesn't need to be the end of the story. Shift your perspective on what it means to be a mom while learning practical tips and mom hacks you can use right away. Stay you while nailing the mom game. That's what being a cool mom is all about. Class is now in session. Here's your host, Emily Kylo. Welcome back to Cool Mom 101. Thank you so much for tuning in. This episode, we are joined by Lindsay Kylo, mom of three beautiful daughters. And for work, she leads a team of social media, PR, and content specialists for four brands. So she's one busy lady. (laughs) And yes, she is my big sister, if you caught by the last name. Uh, I really look up to her and the way her and her husband parent their kids. They are as close to angels as I've ever seen. Um, Honestly, I always say that her kids make people be interested in having children. (laughs) In this episode, we are talking the goddess voice. Uh, how to travel with kids like a boss, and how she is raising curious and brave citizens. So let's get to it. Here's episode five of Cool Mom 101 with Lindsay Kylo. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. So we are going to jump right in to the mom fashions. You ready? I'm ready. All right. What is the best part of being a mom? Um, Changes for me, depending on the kind of week that I'm having, but I'd say right now, the best part about being a mom is uh, the lessons that my kids force me to learn again and again. (laughs) Nothing like a good relearned lesson. Yes. Speaking of, what is the hardest lesson you think you've learned as a mom so far? Um, I'd say in general to slow down and whether that's I need to slow down and have like less expectations of what I can actually accomplish, um, you know, with a newborn, for example, to um, slowing down to meet my kids where they're at in terms of what they're ready for um, and not necessarily comparing them to what all their friends are doing. So, for example, a three-year-old wanting really wanting to take ballet lessons but not actually being kind of emotionally ready for that, um, I just ha- have had to slow down a lot in terms of Um, just kind of that stuff. Totally. That makes sense. I can already see the kind of comparison. It's really hard not to do it. Like it's really hard not to. Well, they want to too, but there's just things that some kids aren't ready for. It takes a while. Makes sense. Now, have you experienced mom guilt? And if so, how do you overcome it? Never. No, just kidding. I was like, damn, (laughs) good for you, girl. (laughs) Teach me your ways. No, for sure. Mom guilt is a real thing. I think um, every time I take time for myself, I feel like I should be doing something else. So it's, um, it's really constant for me. I was actually chatting with my counselor a few days ago about this idea of carving out time for myself every week for something that uh, feels like play for me. So something without an outcome or without something that I'm looking to achieve. And I was just explaining that it's, 
it's hard for me because I hear the voice in my head saying, you know what, there's a better use of your time or, you know, um, your kids need you or you could actually be using this to meal plan, that kind of stuff. And she was saying to me, Lindsay, you have to, um, yes, listen to those voices, but there's a stronger voice that needs to come through. And that's the goddess voice. And that is the like, what would you say to your friend or your sister, for example, um, if they were struggling with kind of carving out time for themselves, that's the goddess voice. Of course you would tell them, this is the most important thing. You deserve this. You are worthy of this time. Go take it. And so listening to that encouraging voice, I'd say is the kind of counter to the mob guilt. Wow. I love that. The goddess voice. I'm going to use that. The goddess voice, truly. Yes. Love it. Now, you've been a mom for six years. Yeah, six and a half. Six and a half, right? Can't forget the half. Uh, If you could tell your past mom self, so think about like your new mom, what is something that you would like to tell that, you know, newbie Lindsay mom? Yeah, you're doing it right. You're doing it everything right a-okay girl a-okay and probably you're doing a whole bunch of stuff wrong but that's okay doesn't really matter yeah at all. yeah it does not matter you're that's doing it right that's good it's simple to the point i like it yeah okay last one of this little series here finish this sentence i'm a badass mom and Ooh, i'm a badass mom and it's about to get a lot more badass because I'm having a baby in February. Oh my god! Yes, Hi. you're one of the first ones to know. Oh my god! So I exciting! So hey, so um, exciting. I know you kind of suspect it, but I was um, a feeling nauseous and so didn't really want to talk about it and so tired. And then B, I had um, a close friend who suffered a miscarriage. And it, it just made me think about like the excitement of sharing news and just waiting till everything seemed really safe. Um, so yeah, I'm going to get way more badass. Yes. <gasps> so exciting. So yeah. she already has three babies and now she's going to have a fourth. They're yes. not really babies anymore. No, I have, they're two, three, and six. Yeah. So not babes. No. Esme still feels very little like her youngest, but Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, Congrats. thank oh my you. God. Oh, I was like, I pretty much knew from the White Cats game. Well, anytime I don't take the opportunity to have three glasses of wine. I know. Yeah. I feel like people would be like this with me too. Oh, for sure. Like they're going to know if I get pregnant again. They're going to be like, because when do I turn down like a glass of wine at like a dinner? Yeah. I just, most of the time I won't. Like I'll have enjoy a lovely glass. Why not? Yeah. And at most times, like if, um, like early on in a pregnancy, I will like hold a glass of wine and like maybe have a little sip and like, that's kind of the, it's, it's fun and it's fine. Um, but when you're at a sporting event and the drinks are like $20 each, you know, you just maybe don't do that. No, it's not like a drink, a drink for looks. No, it's not. It's not a prop. It's not a prop. Yeah. Well, this is so exciting. Yes. I just, you know, thought a little like ambush to your questions would be fun. I like it. Yeah. February. Oh my goodness. Yeah. February. And the girls are, um, we told them on the weekend. Oh, you did. I was just going to ask that. Yeah, so they all had really cute little reactions. Actually, my eldest had asked me a couple weeks ago, Mama, what, like, why does your tummy look like that? And she's been asking for another sibling, and I've been just kind of holding her off. 
Um, and also, so she's obsessed with Leo. She is obsessed with Leo. Like she wants him to be her little like dude like she just loves him so much she has asked just for anyone who has a child who's obsessed with little babies she has asked if she can go over to emily's house to help with leo which is just i think so cute which we are gonna set up we're setting that up yeah Yeah. she's gonna come over and be my little helper yeah have a little date and i'm curious like i bet she'll do stuff for you that she won't do at home like fold laundry But does she know how to fold it like you do? Because you're like a master folder. I am pretty good with the laundry. It's the like uh, Marie Kondo like folding method that I just love. Really good at it too. Um, And do you know the like different languages of love? I feel like there should be another one, which is like I show my love through folding laundry beautifully. It is. It's like it's its own thing. It's its own thing. Yeah. 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 You're so like next level at it though. Thank you. Props. So she was really excited and then my middle daughter said um she was excited too and she said I'm going to be in charge of the baby which was really That's cute. That's hilarious. And then Esme, who's my youngest, has this little Peppa Pig stuffy, and her eyes lit up and she said I can share my Peppa with him. And I was like, "Him? Like do you guys really think that it might be a boy? Um, yeah, so. Well, apparently, okay, so there is a slight, like, drop in the chance that, so once you've already had, I think it was I already had two of the same, there's, like, a slight drop for the third in the chances that it would be a different sex. There is, and that, it goes and back to 50 up. for yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Was, I, like, read about that. So you're pretty much, I think it's, like, 51 or something, 52%. Yeah, so, so we will see. Are you going to wait for the delivery day surprise? You betcha. <laughs> yeah, I thought about finding out just for my eldest because she wanted a boy the last time, too. And so I'm like, oh, she loves to plan. She gets a bit sometimes anxious if things don't go her way. But no, I love the surprise. Like labor is um, a lot of work. And for me, that surprise is super motivating. Totally. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I actually will say I thought I was going to have a surprise. So for those who don't know, all of my siblings, all of their pregnancies were surprises. So they all found out on delivery day basically. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think, I think I'll like the surprise. And then as soon as we found out we were pregnant, I was like, no, I want to know. So I went with it. I was like, okay, finding out. Yeah. I find that it's even changed a lot since my first pregnancy, like six and a half years ago when I had her, like not that many people found out. I don't have statistics behind this, but it seems just anecdotally my friends now um, and my colleagues and, and whatnot are mostly finding out. Yeah. And the rise yeah. of the gender reveal. Yeah, the gender like, reveal. I feel like that's kind of a new trend that, you know, like every a lot of people like to do as well. Yeah. So. And part of it is just that technology has gotten so much better. Like it used to be um, that you might find out you were having a girl and, oop, actually it's a boy because they couldn't quite, yeah, they couldn't quite figure it out. <laughs> the thing was hiding. Yeah, but now technology is so much better. So um, it's pretty much guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I did genetic testing, so it is. It's, like, 100% accurate. Yeah. Like, it tells you what the chromosomes are. Definitively. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I I would kind of surprise myself by wanting to know, actually. But to each their own, what great surprises are there left in this world? Not yeah. Many, so it's good for you. It's a pretty fun little surprise. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, one thing I really wanted to talk to you about while we have you here 
uh, with all of your experience in this is traveling. Yes. So tell everybody how many countries, if you know, how many countries you think you've been travel like traveled with your girls? With girls, it's not a ton, but um, my last count was 10, but most of those actually happened in the first kind of two years of, of being a mother. So by the time my little one was a year and a half old, she had been on 30 flights. That's insane. It's a lot of flying. And I feel like, I mean, some of them were short. Some of them are like Norway to Sweden, but I feel like... Um, it, we kind of got into a routine totally. and I got a lot of learnings out of like what to do, what not to do, what to bring, what not to bring. Um, but major disclaimer, when your child is in the tricky age for flying, like let's call it just before one for like about a six month to nine month period, like it's tricky no matter what. Like there's only so much distracting you can do when your like little new walker just wants to walk up and down the aisle. Totally. Yeah, and I like say this with love for you because I think with your big trip, you're gonna make it just like before that hits. So I think you guys are gonna have a super smooth flight. Thank you for putting that out into the universe. Yes. Um, we're taking Leo to Brazil in October. So he'll be almost a year, 11 months. So I kind of hope he's not walking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So based on these tons of flights you've been doing, this is something I think that a lot of people want to know is like what to bring and what not to bring because I think there's a lot of information out there that of course people want to sell you shit. <laughs> so, right. So there's like information like, Oh, you need, you know, 10 play cribs and 5,000 new toys. It's like, okay, but what do you actually need? That's what we don't want to know. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like I started out by bringing a lot of stuff and really whittled that down before we go on. Is this sponsored by Jetbox kids in any way, shape or form? No, should it be? Oh no. I'm just going to say I'm gonna say that it's really not something you want to like look into or spend your $170 on but you know if they were right. actually presenting this podcast we'd be running into a bit of a problem there right. so okay good we're all good yeah we're good um really must have items I would say it kind of depends on the age of your child if you're looking at that like kind of toddler or baby there's a couple basics that I have found really helpful one is the carrier of course like when a you're on a carrier. flight yes a good carrier sometimes you might actually need to walk up and down the aisle for a while I had this brutal flight in that period that I mentioned of the like right around one year with a new walker going from Frankfurt to Vancouver and it was an overnight flight and I must have walked for at least six hours. And I don't know what I would have done without that carrier. That was a solo flight, like just me and, and my babe. So that was tough. Um, but the carrier really helps. Um, I like to bring a travel crib mm -hmm. because I have this trick that I do where I, um, because you can bring a travel crib for free with your baby, I like to put all their stuff in it. And that's basically their luggage. Um, there's different kinds of travel cribs. Some are backpacks, which is great. I love the um, Baby Bjorn travel uh, crib light because of how much stuff you can, you can fit in it. Shit in there. You can fit so much shit in there, and it's really light. Um, but some people prefer like the backpacks or something that has wheels or whatever. Right. But the Baby Bjorn has been great for us. Um, 
I also like to travel with a car seat, which some people think is crazy, um, depending on how much you'll be driving when you're, you get to your destination. Some people are just walking, in which case no car no seat need. needed. Or rental is another idea, but it, it's taken me about, like, honestly, six years of parenting to get comfortable with that. Other people may have a higher degree of comfort. But I like the familiarity of our own car seat. Like we know how to use it. We know it's going to work great. It's safe. All that kind of stuff. Um, Just for kind of peace of mind. Um, I also like a small, like packable stroller. We've gone a few times with um, our big, like up a baby with like the double seed and the little thing on the back. And it's fine. It's just a lot easier to have a smaller one. Um, and we've also taken our big chariot places too, and that can be really handy depending on the environment you're going to. If you're going to a beach, uh, that can actually destroy your stroller. Um, yeah, just the sand gets all into like the wheels and bearings. Um, we've met a great person who does stroller detailing. So we take it to the beach and then we actually get it all cleaned out so that it can keep working. Um, yeah, so those are the big things. And then in terms of l- the little things, um, definitely some kind of snacks you know that they like. And I would say think about how long it takes them to consume the snacks. That is a good thing if they're like like Cheerios and blueberries. <laughs> Actually, they can pick one up, eat it. Um, oh, and they're not I very just, messy. I just learned the blueberry trick. I was like, it gives me like 10 minutes. Yes. So good. Great. So that's a good one. Um, yeah, those kind of small things in little um, kind of packages that they can even play with the packages. Um, I tend to avoid like bigger toys, but I like to bring small random things. Like you never know what a kid is going to enjoy playing with because they haven't seen it before. Like weird kitchen utensils, little stickers, um, things that take up time, things that are new to them and a couple books. Um, depending on your little one's kind of nap routine, I usually recommend a sleep sheet if they're used to that. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of set that environment if you're going to be on a longer flight and you might want them to have a little nap. So something like a light blanket or, or a sleep sheet can be really helpful. Um, the last thing that I bring with me is the white noise machine, which sounds weird because it's like a bit of a clunkier item. I just love that when I get to my destination, I can plug that bad boy in. And I know that even if we're in a small hotel room, that's going to drown out some of the just kind of like weird. unusual noises. Yeah, yeah. weird background noises. Yeah. Um, and then I guess if your little ones are a bit older, um, you can still bring a small stroller. The question to ask yourself is, are we going to be walking places that it's like more walking than my child can do or we want to go faster than my child can walk? And then the other thing is, do we want to go out for dinner and maybe the child sits and has a nap in the stroller if it's like right. late at night, like that kind of thing? Um, that's kind of how I decide actually what to bring for that age. Um, and then once they get a little bit older, um, iPads. I was going to say, tell yes. me, I mean... I feel like you must use those. Yeah, we were on a five-hour flight in December with our three, and they were at pretty tricky ages. Like, the two little ones are pretty close together. And I was, like, training for the marathon, trying to teach my, like, just three-year-old how to use an iPad, like, how to actually, like, sit and watch. I know that sounds so bad, but it helps mm-hmm. on a plane. Um, so, yeah, we had we had two iPads on that for the big ones, and I let them watch so much, and they loved it. Desperate times, though. Totally. Um, there's a couple things that I think you can like generally cut down on Mm -hmm. one. It sounds so funny, but, um, the first couple times that I flew, I would take 
like most of the diapers I thought I'd need. Which, like, right. if you're going somewhere for a week, like, that's a lot of diapers. Oh, it's a shitload. And they're not super heavy, but they take up a ton of room. They take up so much room. And if you're going to a place where you can buy diapers, which, let's face it, that's a lot of places, there's just really no need. Um, the other funny one, this is more airplane related. We have um, booked before the bassinets on planes. Do you know about those? Okay, I've seen these. I was yeah. going to ask you about this. Yeah, so they like, depending on the, the airline, they kind of like clip to the wall and it's like I've this small them, yeah. bassinet. So we trialed that on a trip to Hawaii when my uh, second was going to say like probably seven months old. And I thought, oh, this is going to be so good. Like, I won't have to sleep with this babe in my arms. It was an overnight flight. And I thought I was onto something so genius. Let me tell you, when there is turbulence, the attendant comes by and says, excuse me, you're going to have to pick up your baby. We're experiencing, like, we're going to experience some turbulence. Meanwhile, you can imagine yourself, you have a little baby, you've just gotten her to sleep, and you're like, hallelujah, I'm going to close my eyes for a few minutes. You have to pick her up. And depending on your kid, like most kids are going to wake up. Yeah, my kid wakes up 100%. I burst into tears. Like oh, full on. Oh, I would on. have like death stared her. Yeah, I burst into I know tears. I it's not her fault, but I would have been like, are you effing kidding me, lady? Yeah. And I was like, I know air safety like takes precedence over my needs, but. Safety. For reals. So I would like just think about the bassinet and how, um, like if you're going to rely on it, like maybe don't. Maybe if they were super tiny, like that might be okay because they might stay sleeping when you pick them up. You know, when they're maybe, super yeah, tiny. Yeah. I think maybe that would work, but I think you're right. The rest of the ages, I'm talking like three months and like little. And then they, they say, one, technically, once they can actually get up themselves, they say they shouldn't be in there. So it's like it's a limited window, but I think. Um, you know, I have friends who, like, have cried because they haven't been able to get the bassinet. And I always just say, like, it's okay. It's super overrated. Good Don't point. worry yeah. about it. You're yeah. going to have to pick up your kid and wake them up when you just spent all this time and effort putting them to sleep. So. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> uh, so have you, in all your travels, have you had any really bad, like, meltdowns? personally <laughs> or ch- child related like kids melting down kids maybe followed by you but no oh my um, God. like have you had any of those kind of experiences and how do you handle that when you might not have your normal like tools at your disposal that you might have at home when your kid is melting down yeah I mean the really the only tool that I believe I have at my disposal is my like relationship with my kid and like connecting with them and hearing them and I am I have no problem with a kid having a meltdown because I said they couldn't have ice cream chances are if it's vacation we've already had ice cream twice that day anyways um so have to draw the line at three so if they have a like a meltdown around something like that I will go in um and I have no problem being like you're sad you're really mad because you can't have the ice cream like I get it I, I would probably want it too. And tell me about that. So that like my voice, like that always stays with me. Always. Yeah. I have to say, um, I really admire the way I have seen these types of things. (laughs) Not that your kids, your kids like barely ever have anything that looks like a meltdown. I'm sure they only do it for you, but, um, like you handle it so well. And that's really interesting to hear like exactly what 
you kind of say, like the language you use? Because I'm not at that point yet, but I will be. Yeah, it's really interesting. I happened upon um, Janet Lansbury and the Rye Method when, like, I guess it was about three years ago when I was having some tough times with my then preschooler. And she, just listening to her podcast, and I've ended up reading her books, she like radically changed the way I parent and my philosophy on meltdowns. Like before I was like, my goal is to keep my kid, like uh, even Steven, keep- yeah. Mm-hmm. And like not like have to experience those horrible feelings. And that's really flipped on its head for me. It's like, I want them to feel all the feelings in life. My job is to help them move through them. Totally. And like ideally more quickly because we're acknowledging them and like actually going in. I'm not perfect at that. Like it's a daily struggle, but I can't recommend her podcast enough. It's called Unruffled. And each week she answers a, a parent letter about a specific situation. So it's everything from how do I connect with my tiny newborn and I'm kind of bored around like always trying to feel like I'm entertaining them to which she says like your job is to observe and let your infant learn about themselves. So there's everything from that to my six-year-old is biting kids at school. Like what's this about? So like really good tips. Yeah. That's um, really interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, she's so good. Like, Leo's still so tiny, but I still think it's good to start to get some of those ideas about how you do want to approach those things, because it'll come fast for me, I'm sure. Well, and I lost a lot of sleep over kind of wrestling with this, of like, I don't want my child to be melting down, but I, I also, like, I don't want to be giving a time out. Like, I don't agree with that, but I didn't know why. And so um, kind of reading... Janet's philosophy, um, and it comes from a childcare educator called Magda Gerber. Reading those philosophies made me realize, oh, this is why I feel this way, and there is another way. Um, yeah, but it's like honestly, it, it requires for me like daily work. <laughs> well, I think that 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 makes sense, though. And that's parenting. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I think in general, you don't. I mean, you don't love seeing your kids upset. Or, you know, like, of course, it doesn't feel great. You're not like, yes, they're mad. It's funny because now I feel that way. I'm like, like, great, an opportunity. You tap into that. I'm like, that is in, I don't say this to them, but I'm like, that is a beautiful emotion that you're feeling. I'm not like when it's anger, I just love it because I want to raise. The passion. Yes. Yes. Like part of um, my and um, my husband Matt's vision is raising curious, brave citizens um, and without that ability to feel those feelings, I don't think they'll, they'll turn into like brave little humans. That's a really good point. Yeah. She's so good, Janet. She's okay. like my, she doesn't know she's my guru, but she really is. Oh, uh, <laughs> Janet. Yeah. You're the guru here. She's so good. Um, I'm going to have to really check that out. It sounds really good. Yeah. yeah. Now, switching gears a little more again here. Um, we've had a lot of conversations you and I about the transition into motherhood in general. So going from like single, single person um, to becoming a mother. And for you, can you share what the hardest part about that transition was? Yeah, like I would say um, 
it really was that first three months um, and just really not being prepared for what I was going to experience as a new mother and having these feelings like you and I have talked about this before um, and I've heard some of your other guests talk about even it's having these feelings of um, why did I do this and then actually from that feeling of like doubt comes guilt and self-judgment and shame and all these terrible things that they don't advertise that when you see that like the glorious pictures on Instagram of the new moms and like I do those pictures too um like guilty but they're you know I, I didn't do that with my first child because I couldn't I was in this this phase and this fog of like, what has happened and why did I do this? Um, So that was really tough. And for me, it actually took about three months to get back out of that. And the key for me was sleep. So as soon as I started getting that, like, honestly, eight hours of sleep, which I know sounds ridiculous when you have a, it was a then three and a half month old, um, we made the decision to work with a sleep trainer. um, And that I say to people like that changed my life more than becoming a mother did almost like that was when I became a mother in the wider sense of it. Like, of course I became a mother according to science when I birthed my child, but I didn't feel like a mother until I was getting sleep. Oh, I can, I'm with you on that a hundred percent. I knew that I was someone who I, that was actually what I was probably the most worried about going in mm-hmm. because I, before having Leo, I, I was so passionate about my sleep. It was like nine hours a night. Like I have a sleep routine. You guys like, I'm, I'm really like, I really care about my sleep hygiene. And like, I think it's such a huge part of your overall health. So I was really worried about it. And I was like, Oh God, like, I don't even know how I'm going to do this. Um, and then I would say something similar that when he started sleeping through the night was when I started feeling so much more in tune with what was actually happening and I could more appreciate it. I was like, wow, this is like a crazy like journey that I'm now on. There's been a lot of fucking lows, but there's also <laughs> been a lot of highs Yeah, and like, it's going to take time. Like I, this just happened. Like it's going to take some time. Sleep allows you to have perspective. And I think that's the piece that's missing when you're thrown right into motherhood. Totally. The other thing for me is that, I mean, we talk about postpartum depression. I actually had a lot of anxiety come up at that time where I know people always say like, sleep while the baby sleeps and she's having a nap. I could not sleep to save my life during those times because my like my heart rate was up my cortisol was probably through the roof because I was so worried not from a logical perspective something was going to happen to her I just like from all the hormones and lack of sleep like my shoulders were up around my ears with tension constantly um so that anxiety kind of factored into it and um fortunately I, I kind of worked with this amazing sleep coach and uh, within a couple weeks, I was getting that sleep again. I truly, I think I would still have one child if not for that decision. Totally fair. And I actually had a very similar experience I, with anxiety. I had, everything you said, I'm like, that's pretty much what I was too. And people say the same thing, like trying to get your rest when your baby rests. 
I was so anxious. I was like, what if they wake up? That he's he's only been sleeping for 10 minutes. Like, what if he wakes up in another 10 minutes? Then he's only had 20 minutes of sleep. Like, I just, and my heart was racing. I'm like, yeah. how are you supposed to sleep like that? No. I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen. And for me, basically, similarly, like, after a couple weeks of sleeping properly, almost all traces, I mean, I still get some anxious feelings, but essentially all traces of anxiety like went away it's pretty amazing yeah so i'm, I'm not going to say that happens for everyone um but sleep definitely helps with depression anxiety whether it's postpartum or, or otherwise so i think that yeah it was, it was key for me too another thing that we can test out here was that idea we spoke about earlier in terms of the goddess voice yeah. and like if i had had that voice in my head then like what would she have said to me she would have said um, you're doing it right. And it's okay if you can't sleep. Rest when the baby sleeps. That is enough. Rest. Totally. Rest your mind. Rest your body. Right? Like, don't try and do the laundry or clean or whatever. No. Just lie there. Don't try and cook. Totally. And that's exactly it too. Don't feel pressure that you're not. I think I was feeling that. Pressure, yeah. Because everyone was telling me, well, you need to sleep. Well, you need to sleep when the baby sleeps. So then there's all this pressure on you to sleep. Yeah. And that's not going to help either. So that's a really good one. Oh, the goddess the goddess, voice. bring her back. We need that all the time. Now, speaking about your, you kind of touched on this, but your philosophy in parenting. So has that, it sounds like it's evolved a lot yeah. over the years. So how do you think that's evolved? And then if you can describe kind of where it's at now. Yeah, that's deep. You know, um, I know, I'm going real deep here. Yeah, definitely has evolved. Like from the get-go, I thought I was going to be a parent who let my baby sleep whenever they wanted to sleep. I was like, sleep schedule? Like, that's not good for a baby. Like, the baby should just do what nature intended. Oh my goodness, that did not work for me. So things that I thought were going to be my parenting philosophy were really not. And then other things that I thought were going to be part of my parenting philosophy haven't made it in there either. But we have to, um, when you only have so much time in the day, like you have to get pretty clear on what's important to you and what your vision is. So even funny things like my husband and I have worked on this kind of shared vision for our family. I never thought that would be part of my parenting. I thought it would be like, you know, you're in bed at seven and that's the end. Um, but just kind of recognizing that these little people have such unique needs like right now we have um one child goes to bed at 6 15 and that's our three-year-old and then the next child goes to bed at like 7 45 that's our two-year-old and then the other one's more like 8 8 15 8 30 um i never thought i'd be like that either like but a it just, two hour long essentially yeah. bedtime routine. Yeah, I thought I'd be like lights out and like bugger off. Like you go to sleep now. <laughs> like a camp. Yeah, but what I said earlier about like things that your lessons that your kids teach you all the time, like my eldest constantly teaches me that I am wrong. Like my preconception is wrong. The way I'm doing things, like I need to rethink it. So um, while I would say, yes, my philosophy is like when it's bedtime, it's bedtime. And there you go. The reality is she's a complex person who also works through a lot of anxiety. And when, when she goes to bed, like that's the most vulnerable time for children. That's when it bubbles up. And so if I were to say to her, like 7.15 lights out, I will see you in the morning. 
she would struggle all night. And where is that going to come up again for her? It's going to bubble up in her school day or it's going to be when I'm leaving for work. So as much as I kind of thought I'd be one way, I've evolved into a different kind of parent. Totally. Yeah. And so now for you and your husband, like what would you say your overall vision is for your family? Yeah. If so you describe it. I think it's what I mentioned earlier in terms of like raising kind, courageous citizens who are resilient um, and who have a joie de vivre and things that they care about. Like that's what we want for them. And they'll each have their own things that they love, but like that's truly what we're after. The passion. The passion and the resilience. Like, you know, kids are, are pretty strong in a lot of ways, um, but I, I want them to be brave and try new things and be willing to fail and know that that's okay and that's actually better than okay like that's that's great mm-hmm. yeah now so talking about resilience how do you feel like you instill that in your girls um or how do you teach that yeah I think it's a it's a little bit about modeling it right like you can't really say to a kid do this and expect them to do it so it's a little bit of the modeling um we have pretty good conversations in terms of if they experience something really tough during the day. Um, one of my little sensitive flowers is not very resilient at all. Um, so it's not something I'm trying to force on her. I just want her to notice. Um, and I know I don't use the word resilience. Um, I, we like, sometimes I'll use like nature analogies. Like, I bet you feel like that flower that just got stomped on. Like, what do you think is going to happen to that flower? Like that kind of thing. Um, cause she's, she is a sensitive little one. Um, but I want her to see that they're like, it's not just happening to her, that it's her response to different things, like to tough situations. She has some like choice in directing it yeah she has some agency yeah so that's important to me but there's no it's not like I run them through a course or anything a part of it is like like living on a prayer here that they're actually going to turn out this way well they are lovely so I think you're Uh, thank you so far what you're you're doing is working real well real well something I was curious about and I hear a lot of people kind of struggle with thinking about this as they are going from you know a family of one to a family of two, from a family of two to a family of three. So adding in the, like another child. So how did you kind of approach that? And was there anything that was like surprising, I guess, from that? Like adding a new baby into the mix? Yeah, I think um, like zero to one is the hardest. Like yeah. that's, a, that's a shocker for sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, Zero to two, I mean, everyone's different, but probably the biggest difference is like mathematics, like one parent, one child, or if you're on maternity leave and you're a mom, one parent, two children, like how do you do it all? How do you put one kid down for a nap while you're nursing the other or whatever you're doing? That's, uh, it just requires a little more kind of like adaptability and planning. Um, two to three for us was an interesting one because we had our second and third like a year and a half apart. Yeah, they were so close. Yeah, so that yeah. in many ways, the like year and a half year old, like she was still in diapers. What was great about that spacing gap is she didn't really have a clue. Like her brain wasn't developed enough yet to start doing those things that like a two year old would do to kind of right. protest and kind of express their feelings, right? 
So she was too young. So she, she hadn't hit that yet. So it was actually kind of a nice thing. Whereas my oldest two, there's three years almost in between them. Right. And so you have a three-year-old. They're just in such a different stage of development. Um, they really know what's going on. And, and it's now, hard. And so now these, th- these two are going to be... Two and a half. Okay. So yeah. close to the three-year gap. Yeah, close to a three-year gap. Yeah, so I mean, who knows what'll happen with this one. I have heard anecdotally, so another podcast I love, podcaster, is Laura um, Vanderkam. Mm -hmm. She is an expert on time management, and she does a little breakfast podcast. It's like a five minutes long and different tip. She's got a couple great books out. I saw her speak um, at a conference, and she has four kids. And at that point, I had my third was not quite a year and I was like, I think I want to have a fourth, but like, I think I'm interested. is this possible? Um, and I actually asked her, I was like, what was your, like from three to four, if I'm thinking about that, like what advice would you have? And she's like, once you have three, like one more, you won't even notice it. So here's hoping Laura, that you are right. <laughs> because if not, ah, don't know what I'm going to do. But I actually experienced when my um, littlest when she was three weeks old, I started experiencing this weird uh, grief. And I like was trying to get to the bottom of it. And I was like, this is not postpartum depression. I'm having grief around this being my last baby. Oh. Um, and then I, you know, kind of ruminated for a couple weeks and then mentioned it to my husband. And I just said, you know, I'm f- like, I'm feeling really sad. I think I'm experiencing grief because this is our last baby. Like, we're not going to have another. And he's like, well, we actually haven't really talked about that. Like, I'm open to it. So, he's like, sorry, did you decide this without me? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, just a little bit of a funny, a funny one there in terms of like how soon after three, I, I was like, yeah, You're already interested. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. Whereas with the first, I was like oh goodness, like we will see here. Yeah. And I think I've said this to you before, but with my first, so, um, the first three months I I was in that space of like, why the fuck would anyone do this again? (laughs) Totally. What is wrong with these fools? And then seriously around, let's say four months, which happened to be when he started sleeping through the night, Uh surprise, surprise. I was like, okay, all right. I see some good things here. I like what I see. It's like... I'm enjoying this experience. Maybe I could do it again. I could do this it's again. Funny. Yeah, it is like truly incredible. It's one of the most like majestic things I think about motherhood is that your your brain is smart enough to forget the pieces that would prevent you from doing it again. Like continuation of the human race right there. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that women are just so well designed that way, if I do say so. We are well we're designed. Like, yeah, we're so well designed. We're like, mm, let's just block out that crazy shit. And, I, I do have um, a couple friends who had really prolonged and difficult labors who have like said one is enough and I like all the power to them. Hey, totally fair. Yeah. I feel like I... That is that that I'm not worried about whatsoever again. It was more the emotional um, roller coaster. Yeah. But but I do I can hear what people are saying and you put those pieces together and everyone's different. But it is crazy going from zero to one, like you said, like your first baby. No, there's nothing that's gonna prepare you for that. No, it's so wild there's going from nothing. independence to complete dependence. Yes. Even if you have such an amazing partner as both of us do doesn't even matter like matters yeah it matters but like I'm I don't know what what people do it's 
like amazing that people do these things on their own yeah with not as much you know support but even still it's just it's wild yeah yeah yeah, but so zero to one. Through. Yeah, if you've done zero to one, you can do one to two. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we just had one last thing to wrap it up here. Do you want my five tips first for travel? Oh my gosh, yes. Because we didn't really get to them in the travel section because I just get so excited about telling stories. Um, but I have like five specific ones that may be helpful for someone. Um, if you guys are considering traveling, whether it's airplane or car, um, one is think about renting some items, make sure your load a lot lighter. So if you go to somewhere like a bigger city or that's more of a resort town, uh, for example, Maui, every time we go, we rent like a high chair for the littlest, uh, mm. the crib. Um, we've even rented a wagon, which is great for the beach, dump everything in, and then you're not ruining your stroller and you don't have to carry your stroller. Um, tip number two is on airlines, if you have an under two-year-old, usually uh, two or three pieces are free to travel with plus a small stroller that you can gate check. So if you think about it, like you, it's usually three. You have your car seat, you have your um, travel crib, and then you have your stroller, and you can pack all their stuff in the crib. And because every airline charges so much for luggage now, it's a nice little way to do it. Uh, yeah, hot tip. Um, when you're booking somewhere, this is number three, I like to recommend to friends that they think about the layout of the room if you can. So whether you're booking Airbnb or a hotel, is there a huge bathroom? Because uh, guys, I am not ashamed to admit that I've put a baby to sleep in their crib in the bathroom so many times just to have that like quiet and that privacy. Because if you're in a small hotel room, um, once babe's in bed, if you have a really good sleeper, it's tough to kind of live your life and enjoy so things like um does it have a nice kind of patio space that you can use if baby's asleep inside Mm. ground floor is amazing with um with that for baby sleeping you can kind of just be outside if there's like a nice grassy area and you still feel safe because you're right outside um it's also great for toddlers because then you're not dealing with elevators um and then the funniest one with this is if you're really in a pinch and you're, for example, your little one will wake up and see you right beside them, basically, because you're in a small hotel room, often the curtains, mm. use caution because you don't want to suffocate them, but the curtains can wrap around their little crib and they're usually like blackout blinds. And as oh. long as there's like nice airflow, it actually creates a little blackout room for them. Good one. Yes. Uh, closets also can often carry a portable crib. You just take the hangers out so they're not falling down but yeah closets um can be pretty handy too okay tip number four is pack your clothes for baby to get ready and then cut them in half and just take half (laughs) yeah um I've made that mistake too many times unless you have like zero access to laundry or like you can't just wash some things in the sink or whatever yeah just you don't need as much as you think you do um and then the last one is try to plan some time for yourself or you and your partner to have some time together. Some things that have worked great for us is uh, hotel babysitters are usually like screened, licensed, and everything. It gets a bit harder when your kids are older because obviously it's like a new person um, for them to meet. But definitely for the little babies, once they go to to sleep, um, it's just a nice way for you to connect when you're on vacation. 
um, the funniest thing that happened to us is we booked this Airbnb in Australia when our daughter was four months old. And it was on the beach near wine country, and we were having a great time. But we were taking our daughter everywhere, and like she goes to bed at seven, and we were like, oh, if only we could go for dinner. Well, as it turns out, the Airbnb host was a retired school teacher. And we just like instantly had enough trust with her. And she lived like in the other half of the house. And she was like probably 60. We had so, so much trust with her that we left our baby. Like she just stayed there. And we went out for the most amazing dinner at a vineyard. Awesome, um, yeah, it was so awesome. So don't uh, forget about time for you. Yeah, it's really, really important. Yeah. yeah. And if you can't get a babysitter, make sure that, um, and you're with your, your partner, make sure that you get some time by yourself. Totally. Yeah. So your vacation too. Those are my hot tips. I love it. Um, yeah. Other funny travel stories, like in terms of difficult situations, probably the, the craziest one for us was uh, Croatia. Do you know what I'm going to oh, tell? The bunny story? The bunny story. The bunny? It's yes. a bunny. Yeah. So we were like... <laughs> We were just, we used to live in Norway. We were just moving home from Norway. We were spending some time in Croatia as a family of three having a vacation. And somehow we left Bunny in the taxi, um, got to our Airbnb, like got settled. Bunny wasn't there. And like Bunny is needed. Bunny is still needed, funnily enough, um, especially enough. when she's nervous. And so um, my husband called the taxi company and the driver uh, this dispatcher talked to the driver who was like oh yeah I had it I gave it away to a street person how crazy is that so to make a long story short my husband went out combing the streets of split Croatia which is like this beautiful old town has Diocletian's palace in it has a beautiful harbor a couple hours later he was just getting ready to admit defeat and uh, <laughs> out of a like convenience store walked this like haggard old man with a Winnie the Pooh under one arm and our daughter's bunny under the other and Matt grabbed it and said that's my daughter's bunny and the man was like well it's gonna cost you I forget what he said and Matt was like too bad this is how much I have it was probably like 10 bucks here you go and he took it and we washed the bunny and dropped it in her crib by midnight basically I was just gonna ask did you wash it first oh for sure were you that desperate that you're like whatever no we were we washed it so yeah that's one of our like travel challenges that really like just hold on to the bunny really yeah like those things that they are so attached to try not try not to lose those yeah That was really funny. I remember the first time I heard about that. I was like, I can just picture Matt, like, meandering the streets. Yep. What a good dad. Such a good dad. Like, metal. Like, the best. Like, how many dads would go out and try and find a bunny that was lost in Split Croatia? I'm not too sure. Like, at dusk. Yeah. Good for Matt. Yeah, he's awesome. That's hilarious and amazing. I I hope if she ever, you know, is in a relationship and decides to get married I hope that this story ends up at that wedding oh I would love to hear that yeah she she has said that she wants four children so yeah has she yeah she's already determined this (laughs) oh yeah like a couple years ago who knows like who knows people change but it's so cute that's so cute thank you so so much for taking the time to chat with us and share your expert knowledge on this stuff as you do have really really good um tips for us all so thank you so much thank you i still feel like a newbie some days but getting there don't we all says emily with one eight month old i have no idea what i'm doing it's a journey 
Totally. Yeah. So last couple of questions to wrap it up. Thinking over the past week, mm-hmm. share with us your biggest mom win and your biggest mom fail. Yeah. So there's always so many, but you know, pick, pick one. There's so many in a given day, but probably the biggest win, this is going to sound so funny, but, um, my like fairly anxious little daughter decided she wanted to um, try out for gymnastics or take gymnastics in a more like kind of, I don't know, serious fashion still for fun. And so I managed to, with my full-time job and my many children and all that kind of stuff, find a, like a great program for her, get her a little tryout, take her to it. I framed it not as a tryout, but as like, we're just going to go meet them where they want to see what you can do. Um, to see kind of which teacher would be best for you, that kind of thing. So she felt really, well, in theory, More confident. She was still pretty nervous. Um, and she managed to make it in. And I've already, like, you know, filled out all the paperwork. And that felt like a major win. That's a huge win. Yeah, we'll see if she likes it. And then probably the biggest fail, because my fails are often with her, because she teaches me the most of any of my kids, um, was I yelled at her earlier this week and I forget what it was over she she was pouting about something and I just told her that I felt like really disgusted to see that kind of attitude and I raised my voice and I don't like to do that and it was such an opportunity to to respond in a different way but I had had it and I just sometimes you're just done yeah Yeah, I I was done and what did she say to that she was she was upset she cried um I always make sure because I, I don't yell often, but when I do, like I, I really, I'm really point. pissed, yeah. but I make sure every time that I apologize and say, I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Yeah. I shouldn't have yelled at you. And I never try to justify it, but I always um, say how I was feeling. What, like yeah, yeah. how you were feeling, not, not, it's okay for me to do this, Yeah, but this is kind of why it might've happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I feel like that's, an, I think that everyone has those moments from yeah. what I see in here for yeah. sure you've got you got to lose it every once in a while <laughs> or you're not even you're not even doing it right if you don't lose it every yeah. once in a while exactly <laughs> awesome well this has been great thanks again so much for taking the time thank you always good chatting with you yes thanks Linz. Thank you for listening to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. If you liked our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.